Hey everybody, welcome to Healing Together, a podcast and community that I have created in order to provide comfort, inspiration and healing. My name is Martin, I work as a counsellor and yoga teacher and I'm interested in the power of community and stories. And so me and my amazing friends will share with you some of the ordinary and extraordinary experiences that have shaped our lives, often talking about the struggles and finding a way to shine a light on some of the darker corners of your heart and your soul so that you can find a new kind of strength, practicing openness, kindness, and hopefully being able to be grateful for everything that comes your way. We are stronger together. Let's all find different ways to guide each other home to that place of peace and fulfillment. Enjoy the show. Hey everybody, I'm back. It's almost been a couple of weeks since episode 16 when I shared with you the story of the adoption and a few other things. I got quite a bit of feedback about my use of the word failed in the failed adoption in the title of the the last episode and I think it's important to highlight how I actually view failure so I don't see failure as something that is a negative or requires any shame actually and and certainly in that example of the um, of the adoption for me it was an opportunity to to pivot and realize what wasn't meant for me and as I will go on to cover in this particular episode, uh, you, you'll see why. Um, and obviously, I don't have a child now and my life is the way that it is and I actually wouldn't have it any other way. So I didn't view it as a negative failure at all. Um, and so that use of the word was was appropriate, but maybe needed a bit more clarity. And so there you go. I've given you it. <laughs> Okay, so since last time, I um, had quite a difficult couple of weeks, actually. The day that I published the last episode, me and Amram were in the middle of um, kind of a, a mini awakening for our relationship, kind of going through similar patterns, and that all came to a head that night. So it kind of felt like a, it's felt like a mini version of what I'm going to continue to talk about in terms of that process of the adoption and then this unraveling and what I went through with um well with yoga and doing the lakesman and that horrible relationship that I learned a lot from um <laughs> and so yeah I just needed a bit of time to understand what needed to be looked at changed um and obviously going through the memories and the feelings from the last episode that I shared at the same time as as going through something presently challenging uh, I needed I just needed the space to call upon my higher knowledge rather than settle back into old patterns 
And of course, you know, when we go through these awakenings, becoming enlightened, transforming, whatever you want to call it, we need constant reminders that we um, don't deserve to slip back. And uh, so, yes, I needed time to do all of that. And so we did. And just a few days afterwards, you know, we, we, we moved into a better space and things have felt much lighter since then. So it was absolutely a necessary process to go through and I'm sure we'll go through many, many more. I'd said to Amram actually when we were laughing about how, you know, how things had been and, and how we came through the other side and how we and and, and yeah, and how we did it. Um and I said to him, you know, we haven't even had our first anniversary yet, you know, so it's fine that we're going through all of these um learnings, unlearning, relearning, all of this kind of stuff. And of course, you know, life happens, you know, we're not in control of everything. And sometimes when the pressure's on, we revert back to those old ways of being that once kept us safe. And uh, I guess we've got to go there to realise that they're not appropriate anymore. And so the awareness bit that, you know, time needed to see what's going on um, is really important. And so that's why I took a bit more time in between then and now. So I'm feeling pretty good about sharing all of this stuff. Um, I think the, the best way for me to, um, to frame this particular, I'm going to call it a session because it, essentially it is really, uh, it's like a therapy session, a kind of self-directed one. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to shape it like the dark night of the soul experience. And so I don't know if you're aware of such a thing. So I'm going to describe um, what I found is like the the, the, the best, um, I'm going to read you what I feel is the best description of a dark night of the soul experience. And then I'm going to use that to kind of, to, 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 to describe this story to you. So from the appearon.co.uk, the appearon, Joshua Press is called anyway, the Dark Night of the Soul, Understanding Amidst the Absence of Meaning. So he says, The Dark Night of the Soul is a stage in personal development when a person undergoes a difficult and significant transition to a deeper perception of life and their place in it. This enhanced awareness is accompanied by a painful shedding of previous conceptual frameworks such as identity, relationship, career habit or belief system that allowed them to construct meaning in their life. The dark night of the soul might sound unfamiliar, but it has various relative conceptions in religion, mythology and psychology. Some commonly associated conditions like existential crisis and forms of depression are more recognisable. And what does the dark night of the soul mean? The dark night symbolizes an obscuration and soul usually refers to an individual's true essence. In other words, the dark night of the soul is the obscuration of the true self. The obscuration may consist of a previous idea of what one believes about themselves or the world that is thrown into question. And a quote here from Hazrat uh, Inayat Khan there can be no rebirth without a dark night of the soul. 
a total annihilation of all that you believed in and thought you were. Fucking hell. Well, that fits. <laughs> because that is absolutely what it was for me. Um I guess the um that you know the the state that the the first real the build up if you like for me was when I left the bank so when I left my career and my long term relationship when I lost the child that I was supposed to have um as I embarked on doing the lakesman I kind of lost all of these ideas about who I was physically mentally emotionally um and actually, in, in this first stage, the kind of the preparation or what has also been called as the lightning strikes, yoga was a was a big part of it for me as well, because, I mean, it was it was both really um, a, a catalyst and a comfort, um, which I think is really cool, actually, because I often think of Amram as being a catalyst for the work that I've got to do. But he's also a comfort as well. And, you know, this idea of um, duality, you know, both those things can be true. Um, you know, apparent opposites can be true at the same time. This opposite and complementary nature of um, the, the yin and the yang, it, it makes a lot of sense to me. Why, um, why sometimes I feel like Amram is there to, to trigger my past and then I just kind of want him to fuck off, you know, and, and then, <laughs> but I realise it's a, it's a lesson, you know, it's, it's, it's a reminder not to go back over old patterns. And as I'll talk about later on, had I not gone through what, I gone th what I'm going to describe to you today before meeting him, I think I would have ended up in a very diff different relationship um, because of where he's at. And I'm just so pleased that he came when he did. <laughs> and I'm sure he is as well. Um, so yeah, yoga was really a, a big trigger for these realizations. And because I dived in so very deeply, uh, following the uh, failed adoption, I, um, you know, I just started to open myself up. And then obviously, these other things came in at the right time I'm not going to say it was comfortable but at the right time and it meant that my dark night of the soul experience was probably over the, the you know about a year let's say um, in its most intense period so the second and third stages are the dissolution the um the when you face the shadows and the third stage is the purge where you get rid of everything that, that needs to be got rid of excuse me <clears throat> I've just had a hot chocolate with some marshmallows on it, just as a little bit of comfort before I do this. Um, and it was repeating on me just a bit. Uh, so, yeah, the facing the shadows, the dissolution and the purge where you really are in the most intense part of this experience. Um, and then the reintegration when, you know, the, the metaphorical clouds part. So I would say this whole process can from like the lightning strikes to the reintegration was probably about a year and if you think of this experience in terms of the um, the intensity of negative feelings, it's like an upside down bell curve or like a U shape, um, U slash V shape. 
So you kind of reach the bottom somewhere between stages two and three, the facing the shadows and the dissolution. And it was at that time that um, the guy that I was in a relationship with, uh, quite briefly actually, it was it was kind of three months really from start to finish. Um, but he came in just as I was entering the dissolution and definitely took me down into needing to do the purging. And he was part of that purge. <laughs> um, but God, it was awful. And I'm glad it was, you know, it was concentrated during this time because I think I got more out of it, to be honest. And, you know, the reintegration when the clouds parted uh, following uh, him being gone and me being deeper into the lakes when was... Uh, that sorry towards the end of the lakes when the Iron Man, uh, it just felt amazing to come out the other side. Um, so yes, this kind of first stage really got started with with this kind of deep delve into yoga. Um, you'll have to excuse my page turning here, but I, I had to make some notes because it, it's just such a lot. And so I said to you last time that I went on the yoga retreat with Dav Jones and Ambra Vallo, and that was uh, just about two or three weeks before the whole adoption thing started to fall apart. And um, Ambra very kindly invited me down to stay with her in Birmingham in the, the June or the July. This was just after I'd made the decision to finish the adoption and I had quite a lot of free time in my diary uh, plenty of money <laughs> because I wasn't going to be taking six months off work. So I really just went for it. And, you know, I felt very drawn to exploring yoga further with Ambra. You know, I'd arranged for Dav to do a retreat here with Ambra in, in the September of that year, 2017. And so I was I was getting excited by um, everything that I could learn from them and the experiences that I could have. And I kind of, have you know, I had this space and so I just listed some of the, some of the things I did with Ambra, um, and then when I went to Birmingham to 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 to, to stay with her and, and and do loads of yoga, I met her friend at the time, Fabio, who then became my partner not long after. I think they were actually already on the way um, when I when I first went down, but it wasn't official. Uh, so yeah, so I went to London in July uh, with Ambra. And then I, uh, that's when I first practiced forest yoga uh, in its um, most authentic form with, with Anna Forrest. Uh, and she continues to inspire my teaching to date. Um, and Fabio was there then. So that was in London in July. And then very shortly after, um, I went to Barcelona for a long weekend with both Amber and Fabio. And that was when... I went to La Chala, which is now called, I forget what it's called now, it doesn't matter anyway, and met um, lovely friends, uh, Marcos and Biliana, and just started making all of these lovely new friends and, and really delving into the the Dharma yoga lineage and lots of the, um, quote, disciples, unquote. I'm um, going to be careful with that kind of guru, godlike language, but that, that's kind of what it was like within the Dharma community. And I, I honor that totally. And, and uh, yeah, it's totally fine. Um, everyone has free will <laughs> and their choices, but it was just wonderful for me at the time. And so Dharma yoga is all about the truth, you know, be receptive, you know, keep showing up for yourself, 
always offering your thanks for every experience that comes and the physical part of the practice is very much about heart opening so opening up the front of your body um i once had an experience actually in in dharma yoga it was in the february when i was in the the kind of the 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 bottom of the bell curve and I literally felt my heart kind of break out of my chest um I'd obviously done so much of the physical practice kind of stretching um all the space around the front of my heart and it felt like this web-like structure had just opened a bit too far and my heart just kind of poured out of it and I actually couldn't move um for crying on the floor uh, for quite a long time at the end of shavasana at the end of the relaxation and i definitely think you know this this lineage and making all of the new friendships um and really kind of instantly deep connections you know be, being really seen by these people and it was allowing me to begin to see myself a lot more clearly as well um so what else did we do so i uh, had so yeah barcelona um I went to stay with them again down in Birmingham uh, in October. I spent some time on a rocket yoga retreat uh, in October. Fabio came here. I'll tell you a bit about that shortly. Um, and then, yeah, and then I went to Italy as well. So, yeah, it was kind of constant, you know, once or twice a month going away for a few days and really just immersing myself in in this um, in this pure yoga world if you like and you know during that time to be honest with you it felt almost like a high uh you know and I was realizing all of these amazing things about um about me about yoga and it felt very much like when you first start practicing yoga or you first start doing something that you know, you really feel is right for you. And I, I often say to people with yoga, you know, be careful what you wish for because it, it feels good at the beginning. Um, it's almost a bit like love bombing, which is definitely what happened in that abusive relationship. So at the beginning, it's almost like yoga kind of love bombs you and, uh, you know, you, you you just fall in love instantly and you're you're kind of on the love drug, you know, it's all kind of flowing through you. And it feels great. And I think it's necessary because you need to remember that when it starts really challenging you. And what I, I mean, I just wanted to read you some of the things that I was writing at this time, um, because goodness, it was <laughs> such an awakening. Um, so this, um, yeah, this was really nice. So uh, I'd just been to London and I said, so much time in London with no purpose, wandering aimlessly, practicing yoga, meeting friends, old and new, reconnecting with parts of me that don't normally get a chance to surface and being anonymous in order to be present. I got so much what I needed. Self-care is essential. Believe me, the battery full feeling is not one to be missed. Oh, sorry, it was just so high. Um, and uh, when I then went to, when I got back from Barcelona that first time, I shared this quote of me in Wild Thing Pose, which is basically like, um, sort of like a one-armed uh, crab or wheel pose. And what I said from a quote, um, have only love in your heart for others. The more good you see in them, 
the more you will establish good in yourself. Yoga unites through love. We are not just people, but we are billions of hearts and we all live together in one big heart and always will. <laughs> I mean, it's just amazing, isn't it? Like, I'm reading that and I, I know how, um, uh, just how wonderful it felt, you know, to, to, to be really diving in in this way. Um, I realised something about myself. So this was kind of the beginning of the disillusion, uh, the dissolution, dissolution uh, phase. And I was starting to get lots of compliments from the people that I was meeting. You know, they were seeing me as I am, you know, very open hearted in this very open hearted way. And I found it difficult. Um, and I wrote about this on the 20th of August, 2017. So I guess this was around about the Barcelona time. And uh, so I wrote, it got me thinking about being open to receive gifts and how we do this. I sometimes get compliments from people and sadly, I remember these not for the beautiful gift that they are, but for my difficulty in accepting them. Receiving is yoga, is a kind of yoga in itself, one that demands a high degree of sensitivity, awareness and skill. A Buddhist friend of mine taught me to think of a compliment as a gift, to be grateful for it as I would any other gift but also do this with gratitude for all those who contributed to the place that you are in in order to receive the gift and accepting it on their behalf if you find it too difficult to accept it for yourself. This definitely helps. I am learning to value the giver's intention, having enough strength and openness to do this without questioning. The hardest part, though, the hardest part though is to feel it and is, is to, sorry the hardest part though is to feel that i deserve it the word receive comes from the latin word recipere which means to take back we already have everything therefore what we receive is already ours in the sense that we do indeed deserve it that it completes something within us or simply that we've attracted it by the nature of our being and then I write, yoga is not about getting anywhere. It's about coming back to yourself in an honest, real and non-judgmental way. Having a goal will only distract you from where you are really going. And some of my ego-driven goals definitely do distract me. Today, I remember yoga is a journey with every step along the way meant to be the destination. <laughs> Isn't that nice? What else did I notice during this time? So this was kind of the beginning of the dissolution. We're getting towards kind of September time. Um, and I wrote, I never thought I was creative and certainly wasn't sure about how to express that. Being a Capricorn, I rely more on experience and expertise, naturally being more conservative and quietly working hard with no need to speak about it. I know things may seem very different now, but that doesn't come easy to me, despite what it may look like. Posting pictures of myself and my thoughts for all to see seems so incongruent to that person I used to be. A lot has been going on behind the scenes. Before yoga, I struggled to explore the less dominant, more challenging aspects of myself. Yes, I used to set extremely high goals and achieve them, but the subsequent emotional difficulty I experienced showed me I often did so without the proper basis in my heart. The lack of compassion for myself 
meant I was becoming cold, distant and detached from others. I noticed this in work, relationships and personal satisfaction with life generally. In fact, one person very close to me once told me I had no soul. Possibly a rock bottom moment there. Oh my God. <laughs> I honestly, before I started this today, I was like, I don't think I'm going to cry on this one. Like I'm feeling strong. And then, and then I read this one. And so this one, uh, this, this thing there um, was said to me, um, this in fact one person very close to me once told me I had no soul. That was my ex, Ryan, and uh, he said that when we were um, probably in the like last quarter of our relationship. Um, you know, when I think back to that time, that was before I left the bank, before I commenced my own count. No, I was in my own counselling then, um, before I'd started my counselling training, before I'd started yoga. And that's what he said to me, you know, like a machine, no soul. Uh, and yeah, that, well, I say here, yoga and my counselling work helps me explore my true personality, creativity and my heart and brings quality into my life. I'm so grateful I found these way to explore, ways to explore myself and deepen my connection with myself and others and all things. And then I wrote, thank you for looking at my pictures and reading my words. It's always scary for me to show you what's in my heart and express that through this feed, but I do it anyway. It's so worth the genuine hard, I work, hard work I put into it and I really appreciate the support. So that was nice. That, that was nice. So yeah, so we're kind of, I'm realising as I'm delving deeply into yoga, some of those things that I needed to let go of and kind of understanding maybe a bit where they came from. Um, actually, on a, on a lighter note, I uh, just after that, I went on this rocket yoga retreat to, uh, to Ibiza. Um, was it my first time in Ibiza? I think it maybe was. Um, Amber invited me on it and uh, I'd never even practiced rocket yoga before. And if anybody is aware of yoga then and don't know about rocket, if you just think Ashtanga on speed, um, literally and... Well, not literally, obviously, because you're not on drugs. Well, actually, many of them were. Um, <laughs> yeah, actually, they were. Um, a massive uh, cannabis culture um, in uh, in Rocket and Cork as well, I think. Um, but anyway, that wasn't what we were doing in Ibiza. It was very wholesome. Um, but the practice, it's fast. You know, I remember Amber in, a, in her lovely Italian accent. You know, she would be, inhale, one, two, three, exhale, one, two, three, inhale, one, two, three. Oh, my God. And you're up, two, three. You're folding forward, down, two, three. Back into plank, two, three, lower down. Just wild. Arm balances, handstands, everything. I could not believe what the fuck was going on and so I arrived and when I got off the plane I mean I was just so open at this time I was like well I'll just go we'll see what happens um so I was definitely putting that hard work ethic that I talked to you about in the previous episode into into my yoga practice 
diving right in. Um, so yeah, I got off the plane in Ibiza and I was wearing these lovely yoga trousers that I was trying to be an ambassador for. And um, I got stung by mosquitoes like the second I arrived, I could feel it. And went to this gorgeous house and met all of these like super yogis, you know, like just the stuff that you look at on Instagram that you think that's kind of impossible, they were there. Um, so I was like the uh, the worst um, practitioner, the least experienced practitioner, all that bullshit that I used to think. Um, <clears throat> and obviously loads of people still do, you know. So I was like, oh, okay, I'll just feel like a piece of shit, it'll be fine. Um, so yeah, I woke up in the morning for the first practice. So we did a really chill practice on the night. It was just like a lying about type thing. It was really nice. Um, and then woke up in the morning. We did the pranayama, the breath work as the sun rose. Um, and it was coming up over the the kind of the south uh, east side of the island, actually where yoga fit is that that I uh, that I I used to go to. And uh, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And then we started with the physical practice. So yeah, half an hour of pranayama. And then we started with the physical practice. Three hours of that intense yoga. I, I, I just thought, what the fuck have I done? And I was practicing next to this really lovely uh, woman called Nikki who was a gymnast and then she discovered yoga so she got this perfect combination of like the strength and the and the flexibility and you know just literally every sun salutation lifting up into a handstand and I because of the mosquito bites uh, I'd had uh, quite an adverse allergic reaction and so almost every one of the bites had swelled to about 20 times the size of the normal little lumps that you get so I had these huge kind of tennis ball sized lumps all over my body and like I wasn't giving up. I thought I am going to keep going. I will do this. Um, and uh, Yeah, so I, um, I thought it was quite an advantage actually when I was doing the arm balances because I had like extra arm to be able to balance my knees and stuff on. <laughs> so... And I remember afterwards we finished and I felt quite poorly actually. And um, Nikki came over and said to me, and again, this was that kind of people seeing me as I wasn't seeing myself and it was kind of opening my eyes. Um, and she said to me, you know, you kept me going during that because I could see there was no way that you were going to give up. You know, you tried so hard, you worked so hard. Um, yeah, she was lovely. Um so that was kind of in the middle of my um, my my handstand, um, kind of uh, fantasy, I suppose. <laughs> I definitely didn't have the capability then, but um, anyway, I do now. <laughs> uh, so yes, that was the rocket retreat in Ibiza, um, and it was wild. And so yeah, part of this um, this kind of dissolution. Uh, and yoga being this catalyst and comfort. Um, one of the, probably the most important times that I had in that that six months leading up to uh, the new year, um, before I really got going with the Lakesman stuff, which I will, I'll come on to in a second. Um, I were, I, uh, I'm, um, Amram, Fabio 
came to Soulbox at Whitehaven, lovely yoga studio, highly recommend it, uh, to do some workshops there. And we had a beautiful day, like shooting some amazing pictures as the sun went down over Whitehaven Harbour. And with his Italian accent, he used to say, Whitehaven. I love Whitehaven. I love Whitehaven. And uh, he said it exactly like people do there with the, you know, the, the, the accent. Um, and he, he definitely felt he was from there in a previous life, which I, I just loved. He absolutely loved Whitehaven. And interestingly, um, Amram also loves Whitehaven and he can't understand for the life of him why it isn't, you know, like a Whitby or somewhere like that. Um, but I guess this is um, it's Copeland Council, uh, a bit old fashioned anyway slightly aside so we'd had a lovely day and we came home and we were sitting by the fire and um oh when i'd uh no it doesn't matter i'm gonna tell you we had pizza and it was lovely um <laughs> so remember the pizza and uh that day he'd heard me on the phone to my dad and i was being quite impatient with my dad and he was pissing me off um probably just like asking me how much money i was earning or something like that uh and wondering why i was gallivanting and doing all of this stuff so yeah he was definitely helping me become aware of the fact that i was changing and challenging some of these previous people pleasing ways and uh and then i heard fabio on the phone to his dad and even though they were speaking in italian i, I understood and there was so much warmth and affection there and you know fabio was you know, he was he was definitely the child, but he was also being kind of like a parent to them too. One of them, I think dad wasn't, his dad wasn't very well at the time. I think he was going through cancer treatment. And um, yeah, and he uh, he came off the phone and, and I said, oh, you've got such a lovely relationship with them. And I said, you know, it's like my dad pisses me off. <laughs> and uh, and he said, you know, it wasn't always this way, Martin. Um when you master your relationship with your parents, you master your relationship with yourself. And I couldn't really get that, first of all. Um, and so, you know, he went on to explain that they'd had some really tough times and they, you know, he'd gone through his own process that I suppose I'm describing now. Um, and during that time, you know, he'd had to find different ways of being with his parents to help him move through whatever it was that he had developed in childhood in response to his childhood and, and all the other things that, you know, had happened later on in life where he had to shed some of those unhelpful ways. And, and he said, you know, when you have done the work on yourself and faced those things that you may have needed then, but you don't need now, you can then find a way to be with your parents and see them as just other human beings that have also got their shit. And yes, you were impacted by it, but when you have attended to yourself and loved yourself and maybe passed some responsibility back to them in a healthy way, and you kind of get that balance of compassion between yourself and them, and you can find these ways that were always meant for you that you were perhaps meant to discover on your own. When you indeed master that relationship with yourself, it allows you to be in a harmonious relationship with your parents. And I just loved that. I thought, you know what, actually, this is that whole idea of how something can be both a catalyst for your healing, but also can be the comfort at the same time. And I, you know, it really, 
it really flipped something for me. It was a a really significant moment, um, and not fully understanding it, um, maybe in the way that I do now, I think led to me then embarking on this relationship, which uh, started just a couple of months later. So yes. So that was kind of how yoga set me up, this this intense kind of three or four months and uh, spending time with people, seeing myself in ways that I hadn't before. Um, so at the same time, the Lakesman stuff was hotting up. And so if I just look at the timeline here, so that same year, just after the uh, the decision to not go ahead with the adoption, I'd gone for a walk with my friend Kerry, who um, was also going to complete her first Lakesman the following year. She'd signed up to it. And so I signed up to the full and I announced that I was doing that on the 17th of August. And that was just kind of exciting, really, at that time. Um, still didn't have any idea what I was doing. <laughs> um, but I went for my, when Fabio was here in the October, uh, he came down with me to meet my friend Wayne down at, I think we went to, it was Windermere. And I had no kit, I had nothing. Um, I thought I could swim at this point, so um, I wasn't really uh, avert. I, you know, I said, yeah, yeah, I'll have a go. Uh, so Fabio came and he took some pictures. So I remember I had this bloody pink hat on, um, hat like swimming cap and uh, this um, uh, like float um, just to keep me safe and the wetsuit. And it was freezing, obviously, as you get in. And I was really scared for like the, the darkness of the water. Um, and it was, I think it was quite, I think it was maybe like 14 degrees. So it wasn't that cold at the time. So I kind of got used to it quite quickly. Um, and I just had a bit of a splash about and, you know, kind of thought that I was swimming. <laughs> and I probably only spent 10 minutes in the water, if that. But um, it wasn't that bad. Uh, and so that was the first part of my training if you like and then the next part of my training so I again thought I could ride a bike which I could I mean I could not fall off one um and so Kerry and Carl who became my trainer uh said you know you might and you better get out on on a bike at some point soon and I was like oh god I haven't bought this stuff and I mean given you know I was I was right back up with work and everything at this stage I was doing all the stuff with um that charity that I mentioned last time and my uh, yoga studio, Bridge, and all my counselling and my teaching yoga. I was all back on doing that as well as taking these trips away. And uh, so I'd not got round to buying all of the stuff, but then <laughs> Kerry said, well, you can borrow my bike and uh, you can also borrow my clothes. <laughs> so I was really, like, really torn at the time. Um, with obviously practicing all this yoga and, and what have you and being quite intensely practicing a lot of stuff uh, all that year really and the years leading up to it and so I was in Kerry's tight leggings which were um, they kind of ended about halfway up my calves because I think Kerry's only about five foot anyway um, and then I had a few bits and bobs on you know but I didn't take anything to drink I didn't take any fuel um, just got on the bike and off we went. And this is how I must have thought that I was going to do this bloody triathlon. Um, and so I hated it and I hated them. Oh my God. So we biked from Carlisle up to Gretna 
along to Longtown and back, and I think it's about thirty kilometers. So it's not, you know, it's not insane. But it, I mean, it was my first first ride, I suppose. Um, would it be that? Yeah, it'll, maybe it was forty k. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It was it was more than I'd ever been for a very long time, and uh, we were going along that road from Gretna to Longtown, or from Longtown to Gretna. Yeah, yeah. To, uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. I think it was Gretna to Longtown. And I just could not catch up with them. And I think they call it the bonk. I think that's what you call it, where you just kind of lose all of your energy and you just you just can't, like, barely put one pedal in front of the other. And they were ahead of me and I hated it. And I was like, I am shit at this. I hate it. And in about nine months' time, I've got to swim two and a half miles in one of those dark and horrible lakes I've got to do this for 112 miles. I said 108, <laughs> I was 106 in the last episode. This is my perfectionism coming through. I, when I listened to it, I realised I got the sums wrong. But anyway, it's 112 miles. And then run a marathon. I was like, I can do the marathon. I know I can. But this other stuff, I just have no idea. And I felt very kind of out of my depth, loads of imposter syndrome, because obviously they had all this gear and I just didn't know any of the language. Like they were talking to me about cleats this bonk thing which I still don't know about um god there was just so many aspects of it that just totally threw me I had to get a Garmin I had to oh my god there was just so much stuff that I just couldn't get my head around and so yes I hated that um and then in uh just a few weeks after that I started the training so um, I still had no equipment at this point because I was too busy gallivanting all over Europe. Um, but I ended up, um, I was doing the bike training um, on a bike in the gym. So it was fine. I quite liked that actually, just to get my legs used to the, the cycling. Um, but I'd also gone for my first swim with Carl. And when we were there, he got me to do this kind of lowering myself down into the water. So you exhale fully, so your lungs are empty and you can sink to the bottom. And it was a bit weird, but I was fine with that. And then he said, I'll oh, just do a couple of lengths. Well, I was just like, I, I, it dawned on me. I was like, I can't do a length. Like, I, my neck was sore and I was, I was aware of my body. So I knew that this wasn't going to be good for my neck if I kept my head up. Um, I had no goggles. I obviously didn't have any, like, any decent swim equipment or anything like that. Um, and Carl was like, try again, you know, and put your head in the water. I was coughing. I was spluttering. I thought I was going to... Um, die because I couldn't breathe um awful so we had a little chat at the side of the pool and he was like you can't swim can you <laughs> it's like, mm, it would appear not um well and that yeah so again just felt like a big piece of shit I, I you know I could feel this unraveling and I thought well I've got to do it I've got to do this I've got to find a way um and so this you know this same determination this same stupidity slash bravery slash courage uh that i was exhibiting when i went to the rocket retreat in october you know i, I just had to rely on that um and uh yeah i i remember doing a lot of avoidance at that time um so yeah this kind of that was the end of november so into november and december 
it was very much a case of just realizing like how little I knew and how much I had to learn. Um, and you know, I was getting busier and busier. I mean, I organized a men's mental health event, uh, for the charity that I worked for. I was in the schools all of the time. I was, I was applying to Copeland, uh, Copeland council for, um, funding for these, um, kind of, uh, adjacent to doctor surgery wellness spaces for people to come into, you know, hundreds of thousands of pounds of funding involved. Like I was doing so much again, um, talk about slipping back into old patterns and yet, you know, diving deeply into yoga and realizing so much about myself, the lakes and stuff all starting to pile on at this stage. And there were a couple of times <coughs> where, I really didn't want to face some things. And this is certainly one of the things that I am less proud of. Um, but it, it certainly highlighted to me a part of who I was that um, maybe had served me, but definitely wasn't going to anymore. And I remember some of the mornings that I would go up mornings, whatever, some of the days that I was due to go swimming. Um, and I still didn't have my Garmin at this time, this watch that tracks everything that you do and then uploads it so that Carl could, um, could like check it and see how I was doing and give me feedback and what have you. Um, but I didn't get it intentionally because I was actually not telling the truth about my swims because I hated it so much and I couldn't do it. Um, so I would, um, Sometimes, if I hadn't done what was on my training plan, I would say that I had, and of course, very cleverly kind of adjust it so that it was just a bit worse than it was. Um, I did that two or three times, um, said I'd done more length than I had. One day said I'd actually not done a swim because uh, you could manually input onto Strava this tracking app that the Garmin would have fed into, but because I didn't have the Garmin, I could manually put it in. So... I mean, this is like, it's total avoidance of the truth. Um, and yeah, I, oh God, I just, I, I just hated myself for doing that. Um, and it really shows, doesn't it, that even if you can get away with it, you know, even if you put the filter on social media, whatever, you know, if you, uh, you take pictures of certain things and you move stuff out of the way just so that the picture looks great, you still know. You know, it's what you think that really matters. And this was definitely a lesson I was learning. And I thought, well, if I keep doing this, I'm, you know, I actually will drown in the lake and I, I need to learn to swim in this pool before I even contemplate the lake. Um, so I didn't tell anybody. But one of the things that um, really highlighted to me what was going on there was that a woman who was in the training group, she... Um, she'd like seen a few interactions with me on social she'd had a few interactions with me in the group and then was was following me on social media and so she got a sense of who I was through through that and she was at the pool one day and I was like oh god um if you're listening to this Heather um apologies um <laughs> but you know and I, I, I know that you know what this is about she got in and she, she said one of the first things she said was um oh you're a perfectionist just like me aren't you and I was like, I'm not. Like, I thought that. And I was like, mm, you know, I'm not, I'm not so sure I am actually, Heather. Um, and I was so mad. I was like, how fucking dare she say I'm a perfectionist? I am uh, been, you know, working on myself in counselling for, well, at this point, like six years. Um, no, 
no, 2017, like five, four years, sorry. Um, and, uh, and I was like, I know myself. And then, and I was like, well, she doesn't know. And obviously she's just projecting onto me. I'm not a perfectionist. Well, and then I went home and couldn't get rid of this frustration. And I, I actually was like, I am. And obviously I am such a perfectionist that I would lie about my training plan to the person who is trying to help me. Oh God, it was awful. So again, this dissolution stage was obviously gathering pace. Um, and so this was kind of the lead up to Christmas. Um, and then there were a couple of um, posts that I did on social media, which I just wanted to refer to one of them, uh, where I was talking about moving towards the edge. Yes, so this was on the 16th of December that year. And I said a quote from Kurt uh, Vonnegut Jr., I want to stand as close to the edge as I can without going over. Out on the edge, you'll see all kinds of things you can't see for the centre. And then I said, sometimes it's good to feel off-centre. Test your edges and maintain, still maintain a sense of balance. And then three or four days later... I posted that I've recently been doing a lot of shoulder and heart opening work, which is interesting when I've been particularly introspecting and uh, introspective and needing lots of time on my own. I've realized that this is about me communicating and open up to myself. I've experienced a lot of frustration around others allowing toxicity in their lives and being open to them through listening to them about this rather than listening to myself. And I missed the point that I am doing the same, hence the frustration. I think that was that perfectionist thing. Therefore, I'm trying to scale back how much I'm there for others and instead offering that to myself. It's hard to resist putting my needs second or last. I just shock myself there because being there for others is basically my job, but I'm referring to outside of my jobs, job. <laughs> and those who don't understand this may be a part of that toxicity I'm allowing. So that was me referring back to the woman I was in business with at the yoga studio and then the the founder of this charity that I was working for. I say charity because it's just easier than community interest company. And so anyway, I was realising all of this and some friends actually. Uh, please take time for yourselves over this holiday season where it's so easy to give in to expectation. Remember, this is all what you allow and you have control over this. Always. I forgot to, but listen to the signs your body and emotions are trying to tell you. So there we go. So that's um, the beginning of the unravelling. Um, so I reckon as the four stages of the dark night of the soul are, uh, so we've got these lightning strikes, the kind of the things that make you aware, and then facing the shadows, the disillusion state, dissolution state, and then the purge. So I don't think I'm in the purge yet, but I needed to drop down just a bit more. And as I say, um, I'll just say his name, Will, uh, the guy that I met between Christmas and New Year, um, was definitely part of taking me that bit further into the shadows. So just to summarise before I go into that for um, the, the second part of this particular episode, we'll have a break in a second. So I think my first stage of this Dark Night of the Soul was the 
the leaving the bank and my relationship, the adoption, what was going on with Lakesman and, and yoga as well. Um, as I began facing the shadows, so this kind of happened, you know, kind of in the latter half of 2017, it was building. Um, so it's this overworking, perfectionism, people pleasing. And, you know, I'm thankful for yoga because while it is about light and an opening and realisation, I think it actually took me into this darkness even further. Um, but it was providing comfort at the same time. And then, yes, I then had to do one final um, kind of further descent uh, down to the bottom of that that curve that I talked about, that bell curve that I talked about, uh, which was meeting Will. So I will take a little break now and then we'll dive into that. So I had my little break. It's been five hours. <laughs> um, in that break, I went up to Carlisle to visit my friend whose house I lived in at the time all of this stuff was happening and when I was in there although she's redecorated the house I went into a couple of the rooms there and I was taken right back and it's helped me remember quite a few other pieces of the next part of the story and at the same time I went round to my house my other house uh, it's now a rental property in Carlisle and kind of had a similar feeling so I've got a lot more that's come up that I want to add into this uh, this second part so anyway rather than delay things a bit further I'm going to share with you this first part that I've recorded and in the next couple of days I'll record the second part the second part of this second part. It feels like the Twilight trilogy where it all got split up into different bits. Um, but I want, I want to give you the best, uh, the, the best I can regarding this and make it as meaningful and, and cohesive as possible. So thank you for your patience. I promise I'll make it worthwhile and uh, give you all the juicy bits. Um, I just feel like I've got a different take on what I was about to share and that needs just a little bit of settling in time. So I will be back with you in just a few days time. Look forward to sharing that with you. I hope that you're prepared for this cold spell that we're going to have. It's going to get cold people. It's going to get cold and dark as we move towards the darkest day of the year. But don't worry, because that's the beginning of the light returning. And that's what I hope to share with you next time. I'm going to delve deeper into the darkness, but there will be light at the end. So I'll see you in a few days. Lots of love. Bye-bye.